0: And good afternoon, GRN listeners across the South and Central Texas listening area. This is your live and local program. This is In His Vineyard. I'm Sean, your host for the program every Monday at noon. I'm also your general manager for the Guadalupe Radio Network, South and Central Texas listening area. Thank you to everyone tuning in from Marble Falls. Fredericksburg, Kerrville, Uvalde, and right here in good old San Antonio. We are grateful that you've decided to spend this hour joining us and getting caught up on all things Catholic in South and Central Texas. Joining me is my wonderful co-host for the program, Ms. Trish Lujan. How are you doing today, Ms. Trish?
1: I'm doing great, Sean. This is gonna be a wonderful day in our interview soon, so I'm doing great. On this program, we try bringing you a variety of informative discussions highlighting different people, Ministries and events going on in the Archdiocese of San Antonio and parts of the Diocese of Austin. Today, we'll be talking to Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of San Antonio, His Excellency Bishop Gary Yannick. He'll be on to discuss National Vocations Awareness Week, which kicked off yesterday.
0: You know that sounds great it's going to be a real pleasure uh speaking uh you know with bishop gary uh we've been real excited to, to finally get him uh you know in here. He is a very busy man, so we are grateful for the time he's going to spend with yes. us today uh so before we get that conversation going let's go ahead and get today 's program started the way we should do all things, and that is in prayer and as we pray you know let's ask the Lord to make his will known to us and for the grace to accomplish his will in loving obedience. So please join me in praying in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Dear God, may everything we do begin with your inspiration, continue with your help, and reach perfection under your guidance. With your loving care, lead all of us in our daily actions. Help us to persevere in love and sincerity. Bless us with an abundance of courage in proclaiming your holy name and the teachings of your church. Grant us the grace to do your will in loving obedience. Heavenly Father, keep us under your constant protection and draw us ever closer to you. We ask all this through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. St. Junipero Serra,
1: Pray for us.
0: St. Joseph, protector of holy church.
1: Pray for us.
0: Our Lady, Queen of all saints pray for us. Amen. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Man, Amen. You know, what a, uh, what a wonderful way to to get the program started. Um, you know, Saint Junipero Serra, uh he is actually one of the, you know, patron saints of vocations. Uh so that's why, you know, I want to go ahead and And, uh, you know, and, and invoke his intercession, uh, especially during this week, uh, this week of, uh, this national week of awareness, uh, for vocations. It's going to be awesome. Uh, I want to recap, uh, just this past weekend. I did have the pleasure to attend a benefit dinner Mm -hmm. at, can you guess where?
1: Yes. Vietnamese At the Vietnamese Martyrs, Martyrs Catholic, Catholic Church, Church, yes.
0: Located actually not too far from my home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Vietnamese Martyrs Catholic Church is located on St. Gertrude Street on the northeast side of San Antonio. Mm-hmm. It was really nice, uh, to experience the love for the faith, uh, within a different culture. Okay. Uh, so I think that's what makes our Catholic faith so beautiful, uh, is it, it's really, you know, universal. Mm-hmm. In fact, and yes. to see uh, you know, how, uh, let's say, you know, across the, 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 Vietnamese, uh, people, you know, their devotion to Our Lady of La Vang, uh, you've got, um, again, you know, the, you know, the, the faithful here in the United States. And then you've got, you know, the faithful in, uh, you know, Eastern Europe. I mean, it's just so amazing to see how the faith really just, uh, unifies all of us, yes, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah, so uh, I want to thank, uh, you know, Father Johnson Lay for the invitation and Father Francis Luong for hosting this wonderful event. Uh, Vietnamese Martyrs Catholic Church will be home to hopefully the future shrine of and monument dedicated to the Vietnamese martyrs and to our Lady of La Vang.
1: Amen. That would be wonderful. Can't wait for that to happen. Um, AX Missions 11th Annual Gala is taking place Saturday, November 12th from 7 p.m. to 10 p.m. at the University of Incarnate Word Skyroom. This will be a wonderful way to support Acts Missions and the work they do through the many retreats that are offered at many parishes. Visit axmissions.org to register. Also on Saturday, November 12th, from 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. Now this is the morning, so you can actually make both events. That's right. <laughs> Our Lady of the Atonement a Catholic Church will be hosting their annual Atonement Catholic, uh, Catholic Academy and Parish Kings Fair and Bazaar. <laughs> there will be food, uh, drinks, music, and games, and vendors, and everything you can imagine. This is a really fun time for the family. You can also dress up in your favorite medieval outfit. Prizes will be given for the best costume.
0: That sounds great. Mm-hmm. So are you going dressed up as anything?
1: Oh, maybe my kids will. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I don't know if I should bust out the old, uh, you know, uh, the knight outfit or a squire outfit. Oh, boy. You know? <laughs> I may need a... You can you know, be
1: one of those Lepanto knights. You ooh. know, you ever see those knights and they're holding a rosary and the, and that's the weapon? Yeah. Oh, that's a great yeah, idea. We need, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. So again, folks, a uh, bunch of stuff going on. Um, you know, again, to you know register for the Axe Missions Gala, visit axemissions.com. O-R-G to register, uh, and of course mm-hmm. I'd love to see you out there at the Our Lady of the Atonement Catholic Church uh, Parish Fair and Bazaar. I think that would be a great time. It's really cool to see you know how the kids really get involved. Um, I, I know this is something that they do annually, and it really is a, a fun time uh, yes. to, to be out there. The weather is just right for you know for the occasion. Also, mm-hmm. uh, now I've got a couple things that I, I want to announce. Well, let's hear um, it. So I don't know if you've heard of this gentleman before, but Uh, He has a a following. He is very well-known. Alan Ames is back. Yes, Alan Ames is back. He's well-known for his healing ministry, Mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. It's been about almost three years uh, since he's been uh, to the United States. Obviously, uh, you know, with the pandemic that was upon us, you know, you know travel restrictions right. were were in place so right. um you know he is he's back uh, i remember prior to me working for the you know for the GRN i would hear his name uh, you know at st anthony claret at different parishes uh, and he is hosting uh several you know healing services um, you know, going on through the, the, the week of the 13th through the 20th. Uh, and there really is just, a, too many parishes to, to name, uh, you know, right now. Uh, but I would encourage you, uh, if you want to, you know, hear, uh, uh, you know, hear, um, you know, from Alan Ames, if you want to be part of, uh, any one of these, you know, many, you know, healing services that mm-hmm. he's offering, uh, visit his website. You could visit alanames.org. Uh, he spells his name different, kind of like mm-hmm. me, you know, <laughs> so his name is spelled A L A N. Last name is Ames A M E S. So you'll go to A L A N A M E S dot org and click on Planned Appearances to see where he'll be. Mm-hmm. Um, again, you know, this is going to be a, a great time to to really get out there, hear his message. Um, it, it's just really wonderful. I mean, he's got uh, even on you know one of the local newscasts, he's got, um, you know, videos, uh, testimonials about, you know, you know, certain, uh, I think a a family that was, you know, impacted uh, and, you know, healed or or so. And it's just really uh, wonderful that the the work that he does. Um, And he actually is going to be our guest next week. Oh, nice. Yeah. So uh, next Monday's program, uh, we're going to have the chance to, to speak to him uh, again, this is the week of the 13th mm-hmm. through the 20th. Uh, he'll be at various parishes across the archdiocese. Uh, so if you want to learn more, again, go to alanames.org. Uh, also taking place, um, you know, coming up later on in the month on the 16th of November. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is Wednesday, November 16th from 7 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. The theology, the, the Theology of the Body Institute will be hosting Made for More, Visions of the Promised Land with well-known Catholic author and speaker Christopher West and the musical talents of Mike Mangione. Uh, this will take place at St. Matthew's Catholic Church again on Wednesday, November 16th from 7 p.m. to 9.30 p.m. Visit the parish website for more information at org or go to eventbrite.com and search for Made for More uh, to, to register. So again, there are... Plenty of uh, you know events going on within the archdiocese of San Antonio. Uh, really, just a, a beautiful way to really you know kind of grow deeper in, in, into the you know go deeper into the faith, right?
2: Right.
0: Um, I mean, here we've got you know Christopher West and Mike Mangione, mm-hmm. um, you know, from the Institute of uh, you know the theology of the body. Uh, really, give you a a not only just the, you know the the teachings, you know. Um, you know, of, of St. John Paul II and the theology of the body, but, you know, there's going to be music, you know, to, to go along with it. So it's really going to be an exciting time, uh, to get out there and not just, you know, feed the soul, you know, with this, uh, you know, awesome mm-hmm. catechesis, uh, but also it, it should be pretty entertaining. Uh, also well, what's, uh, going on with you, uh, in this last, uh, you know, this last weekend,
1: well this last weekend was really filled with lots of relaxation, lots of family time. Um it's kind of like our day off. As you know, we homeschool, so it's like Monday through Friday it's it's all da-da-da-da. it's kind of go 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 go. And so when Saturday and Sunday hits it's like let's settle down. Yeah. And Sunday is the Lord's day, so we just we go to mass and we do a lot of things that um that deal with our our Sunday uh, events. So
0: Amen Mm -hmm. to that. So, uh, without delay, I would like to go ahead and bring on our guest for the program. Uh, we want to welcome, uh, His Excellency, uh, Bishop Gary Yannick, uh, Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of San Antonio. Uh, Bishop Gary Yannick, as I mentioned in the, you know, in the opening, has been a very, uh, busy man. Uh, he is so, you know, he is so involved with so many different things, but, um, he's gonna be on to talk about, uh, really, not just, you know, National Vocations Week, but, uh, this is your time to get to know, uh, you know, Bishop Gary. Um, he's, he's, uh, you know, homegrown here in, uh, in Texas. And, uh, you know, it's going to be exciting to, to hear more about, uh, and from him. So without delay, let me go ahead and welcome Bishop Gary Yannick to the program. How are you doing today, Bishop? Yay. I am fine. Thank you, Sean. Thank you,
3: Trish. It was, it's great to be here. Oh, we're happy you know, to
0: have you here. yeah, we, <laughs> cer- yeah we, we certainly are uh, I want to first uh, you know ask uh, your Excellency if you could introduce yourself mm-hmm. uh, you know to to our listeners if you could tell us uh, you know as I mentioned you know a little bit more about
3: where you came from where you grew up uh, and maybe let's start there sure appreciate that Sean I grew up in El Campo here in Texas a farming community I only lived there about a year of my life and then we spent a little bit of time because my dad started to work for an oil company and we moved to Eagle Lake. But most of my my formative years were in Palacios. And it's right on the coast, mm. part of San Antonio at the time. So I was confirmed actually by, um, he was auxiliary bishop at the time, but um, Archbishop Flores, he mm-hmm. confirmed me. I remember that day wow. very well in oh. the seventh grade. And then in 1982, we became the Diocese of Victoria. Mm-hmm. And so I, I already had graduated from high school, I was in college, and then I entered to the seminary for that newly formed diocese in 1982. But grew up right there in that beautiful, quiet, really multi-ethnic community of Palacios on the coast. My parents' home was about a mile from the water, so I, I grew up fishing and water skiing and doing all kinds of things at that bay I still love the water so much I always say that I have salt water in my veins (laughs) (laughs) but but it's a community that's under 4,000 people even to this day and and it really helped my formation years. I can say, and it was about those are the days, as you both re- recall. Everyone was kind of responsible for everyone else. I mean, we, you know, I had lots of parents, so to speak, and we got away with nothing. Right. And it was a small <laughs> enough community. I always say that if you sneezed on one part of the city, then uh, you know someone said, "God bless you" on the other side. And <laughs> everyone knew everyone's business. So, yes. so it, it was great to see that in the 1970s and the U.S. government. They situated, they, they brought in about 100 families from Vietnam after the fall of Saigon, which really was interesting because it was an Anglo community, Hispanic community, um, and then it became also a Vietnamese community. So I love that and the fact that I, I feel blessed that I, I was raised in a community in which there was really not a fear of sure. other cultures or other people or ethnicities, we we all grouped together. Amen. And it was it, it was so enriching to my life. And the the church that I grew up in, the parish Saint Anthony's of Padua, was just a beautiful little community. It was mostly a Protestant community, so the Catholic Church was so small in numbers, but again vibrant. Mm-hmm. You know, we had it was often we'd have the parish priest and and our at our dinner table, we we all knew each other. He knew his people. We we all worked together. My dad helped to he volunteered mowing the, the the yard. I'd clean the church with my mom. Help out as I got older. We were we were all part of one family, one community, and that was really instrumental in my formation. And eventually, my my going into the seminary and becoming a priest.
0: You know, I'm I'm glad you you uh, you 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 kind of left it there as to, you know, how it was important growing up in your formative mm-hmm. years, you know, how that led you to, uh, ba- you know, your, your vocation. Uh, and I kind of want to start there. You know, when did you first, um, you know, discover mm-hmm. or when did you first feel like you were experiencing the, this call, this, this vocation? Mm-hmm. I, I can
3: remember as young as being four or five years old. Wow. wow. And I, my mom said, she, I would. She would take me to mass during the during the week, and she said I would always imitate what the priest was doing, in, in terms of the gestures at the mass. And I've I've always been fascinated with the mass, and I think that's why I have a deep love for the Eucharist. And my my parents never they might have had trouble with me in other ways, but they never had problems with me going to mass. I, I always knew I am going to go to mass, and I wanted to go to mass. I mean, we all did in in a lot of ways, but I I can remember just being very young. And then the year I was born in 1962, I was born in March and that year in July, my great uncle who was a priest here in the Art Studies of San Antonio, Father Roman Janak, he died in a terrible, tragic car accident. And so I never knew him, but I always knew of him and my parents, and this was my dad's uncle, that always inspired me. He would tell me stories about Father Roman. Mm-hmm. And what it was like for him to grow up on the farm and between Hallettsville and Shiner, and that and my dad's from a very poor family and struggled, and his father even more so. But he said it was such a change in the family when Father Roman announced that he wanted to be a priest. And so my dad loved him, and he witnessed all the marriages of his of his um, nieces and nephews the way I've done now in my life as a priest. And I so I always had this understanding of priesthood of of coming from families like like my family. Mm-hmm. You know, we weren't a perfect family. There's no such thing. But we were a faithful family. And our struggles we knew we needed to mass, we needed to get to confession. And so having a priest in the family was inspiring, I have to say, even though I never knew him. And then when I was ordained, we found his chalice just a few months before my ordination.
0: Wow. And
3: it's always the honor for the parents to buy the chalice mm-hmm. for their son who's about to be a priest. Well, we found the chalice of Father Roman, and it needed repairs. And my parents wanted me to have a chalice they bought. I said, no, I want to use his chalice. And it's a very simple chalice. They paid for the replating, and we put the inscription at the bottom. So as his parents, my great-grandparents gave that chalice to him, so my parents then gave that chalice to me. Amen. And so it's been in the family for a long time now. And my dream, my goal, yes. my prayer is that one day I can hand it on to, I think I have all my nephews married, but, I'm looking, <laughs> but I, have, I have eight great nephews. Oh, yeah. So I always, always tell them, one of you, yes. you're going to be, one of you are going to be a priest. And I said, I've got the chalice ready to give to yes. you. So, so we keep, we, hopefully we can keep it alive in that way. So, so that was really, I always thought about priesthood. And my parents encouraged it. And the community, the parish where I grew up, they encouraged it. It wasn't just for my family. But And and my grandparents, too, never negating the role of grandparents. My grandparents, especially my grandma Yannick, she would always say, you're the one that's going to be a priest. (sighs) And she kind of figured it out. And sure enough, she was right. (laughs) But they kept that idea alive.
0: Amen. You know, with you talking about your family, the community, Mm -hmm. your grandparents, the the way you do, uh, Your Excellency, uh, I'm curious, you know, words of encouragement for those parents, for the grandparents Mm -hmm. out there. Uh, How important really is that? And in what practical ways can uh, parents and grandparents help foster Mm -hmm. vocations
3: Mm -hmm. like that? In so many ways. Sean, it's so important. I mean, we can have all the programs in the arts diocese. We can, as we are, we have lots of programs. We have our seminarians have all kinds of social media platforms. We're doing a lot in terms of promotion in the 21st century, what that means. But there's no banner, there's no program, there's no radio show or TV show, there's no there's no social podcast, social media podcast that's going to make the difference of what parents and grandparents can do. Because it really does start from the home. Yeah, And it... By their just simply, not pressuring or anything else, but just simply inviting all of us as children. We talk about doing this, doing that. I want to be a doctor. I want to be a farmer. I want to be a you know, teacher. I want to be whatever it might be. Parents and grandparents have the opportunity to say, but you know, you're right. But maybe God, that's a good vocation. It's a good service. But maybe God's calling you to, to be a priest. And maybe God's calling you to be a religious brother or, or sister. And then being able to tell them, explain to them what that means. And, and that sure helps when they have themselves, that family, contact with their own parish priest. Yeah. And we, we can't promote what we don't know. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think my parents felt comfortable with me even considering the priesthood because they knew priests. They were around our dining room table. Mm-hmm. You know, they volunteered. They were there. The priests were true pastors, and being with the people, and and they knew they struggled like everyone else. Priests aren't perfect, of course, but they knew that there was something that drew them mm-hmm. to that vocation, and that there was something deep within them. So, so I think that's it, that's the best way in which we can assure that we're going to have a priest behind every altar in the Archdiocese of San Antonio. Parents and grandparents have to pray for their children that they choose the right vocation, and they have to encourage them in doing so.
1: Right? Thank you, Your Excellency. And mm-hmm. you, you know, this is a great tie into to my question, which is, mm-hmm. you know, we're living in a different time than it was. Even a couple of years ago, mm. uh, but a lot of the our listeners are probably uh, ones who are out of the foster care system. Right. They don't have their parents mm. or their grandparents. You know, mm. uh, what do you would you say to these folks who are uh, basically alone, walking? Mm-hmm. You know, right? They're they're trying to find their way, mm-hmm. um, and and perhaps this is something that they can they can envision themselves doing. What would you say to those folks? We, we
3: want to connect them to a community. We want to connect them to a parish family, and there are so many beautiful parishes. There are 172 parishes and missions in the Archdiocese of San Antonio, and you know, like 19 counties. And yes. So I've traveled a lot in the year and a half that I've been here as an auxiliary bishop, and I think mean, I've visited almost 140 right. wow. of, of the parishes and missions. Mm-hmm. And I see it being in the city or in the small rural areas, et cetera there is a beauty in the people they believe they know they're they're rooted in their faith, they love Jesus, they love our blessed mother they they want to do what's right, and they want good things for their children, beautiful parishes we have to keep reaching out to all of God's children. Mm -hmm. And that includes those that don't know Christ, those, as you said, Trish, that maybe don't know where to go, those that don't have the family connections that we've been blessed with in our lives. But we want to make sure that our Catholic parishes are our home, spiritual home to people. Of, of all ways of life and of all walks of life and wherever they are and wherever they've been, that it's always welcoming to them. And especially after this pandemic, we have to become more welcoming. We have to show the people of God that the church, the doors are open to them. Mm-hmm. And, and that includes those in the foster care system, um, Struggling moms mm-hmm. those that that aren't married they've they have a lot of responsibilities with children are our young adults and and people always hear negative things. I can tell you in the year and a half I've been here how blessed we are in this archdiocese we have our young adults are on fire I'm yeah. talking about those eighteen to like forty years of age when time permits I go and i'm I, I go w- when they play volleyball on mondays i i 'm not the best volleyball player, but <laughs> I, they got me at the championship game because I, I, I turn the score i 'm like the Banna white. You know, i 'm turning the score and 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 no one the the ref always likes me to be there because' they don 't yell at me when you 're here bishop so, uh, lots of young people i mean oh, i I awesome. attended a a an event they had for all saints day at at, at the convent the Salesian convent, and i said. I know you're afraid to ask me, but I'm just curious. I mean, does, is someone scheduled for mass with you? No, Bishop, we didn't want to ask because we didn't bother you. I said, no, I will celebrate mass with you. There are like 85 young adults. It's like, don't tell me they don't know Christ. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me they're not thinking about vocations to the priesthood and religious life because they are. I know they are. I see them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I hear them. They ask me questions. When I'm at colleges, the universities here in the city they ask me. At least one person is going to come up at least every time and say, "Guys, I've been thinking about priesthood." Wow, I, it's there. They're on fire. I love our young adults. It's it's amazing, and it's like an untapped reservoir mm-hmm. that we have that we have to keep reaching out to them. But yeah. we have to go where they are. Amen. They're not going to mm-hmm. wait for our mm-hmm. programs. And the vocation right. team, we know that we are out there a lot more. We are changing our approach of promoting vocations and creating a culture of vocations in dice San Antonio. We don't sit on our laurels and wait for them to come. Right. We are out there wherever they are. Amen. And that's what it takes. Yes. meant mm-hmm. that.
0: You know, uh, Your Excellency, if I can ask you, I want mm-hmm. to back up just a little bit because you started talking about young adults and, mm-hmm. and, and such. Um, as as your As your call is being more, you know, Developed, I guess you could say, or as you're starting mm-hmm. to recognize the the depth of of your vocation, um, you had mentioned that you you can distinctly recall, you know, at a very young age. Uh, but through your you know your teenage and, and early 20s, mm-hmm. you know, how did that evolve? Uh, you mm-hmm. know, who were the characters even then at that time that were very mm-hmm. profound and you really um, you know really understanding what this feeling mm-hmm. was uh, that you were receiving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm
3: still reflective of what research now has shown just just a recent study and that is family of course mm-hmm. makes a difference in a man becoming a priest or a woman in, entering a convent certainly but also even higher on on that ranking than even parents is the parish priest and the parish community yeah
1: right
3: so what kept the idea alive because You know, saying as a young person, as a teenager, "Oh, by the way, I want to be a priest," isn't the most you know popular thing to do. It's not. It's not really that cool to say that at all. (laughs) So I held it within. I never forgot about the idea, but I did think of other things, and that was okay. But I knew in the back of my mind, because my parents kept the idea alive, but also I felt it in the parish community, and and from my pastor, is that. That's great. Think about that. And maybe even the the you know, vocation of marriage, but know that maybe God's calling you to the priesthood. So they kept saying, and it and it seems redundant, and it seems like so um, uneventful, so easy of a, of an approach, but it really does make the difference, and right. that is the idea kept being presented to me. And I saw it, and I, I was encouraged by my parents as they active in the faith, of course, in the youth group, et cetera. But my parish priest taught us in in high school religion class. Mm -hmm. He himself did it. That made an impact on me. And so the idea was still there, always embedded within me. But it it kept being nurtured. It's kind of like a seed. It kept being watered by the parish community, by my parents, my grandparents, by the parish priest. And it's the same thing today. That's how we water that seed. God plants, we nurture. And they did that. And in the end, I mean, I, I think I was like the Third, But right now, since probably in the last 40 years, there have been eight priests from that little community in Palacios. Wow. Eight men from that Yay. little community that became priests. That says something about mm-hmm. that community. Mm-hmm. And there are several um, women that it became religious and several of them f- um, from the Vietnamese community. Mm-hmm. But that says a lot about the impact of the prayer. Amen. Uh, so, and with
0: that music, that means we're going to go to a quick break. Uh, but don't change the station. More to come from Bishop Gary Yonick, Auxiliary Bishop of the Archdiocese of San Antonio. Don't change the station. We will be right back.
2: This is Lavinia Spiritope
1: for Catholic Way Bible Study. In his letter to the city of Philippi, Paul exhorts us to rejoice in the Lord always. Then, just to make sure we get it, he repeats himself, rejoice. He encourages us to have no anxiety about anything, but in everything by prayer and thanksgiving to let our requests be made known to God. We can exercise trust and total dependence on Him Praise, worship, and conversation with God are not designed to change Him. They are designed to change us. It is in the heart of that praise that we discover that nothing is impossible with God and that life in the Holy Spirit is a life of peace. This peace is our witness to a war-torn, bloody, fatigued, and depressed world. This peace is our birthright once we completely belong to Him.
3: Catholic Way Bible Study,
1: peace, power,
3: purpose. Find out more at cwbs.org.
4: This is Dale Alquist with a Chesterton Minute. Have you ever heard someone say that Catholic theology is too dogmatic, that the faith should be freer, more liberal? Well, G.K. Chesterton says there will be no end to the weary debates about liberalizing theology until people face the fact that the only liberal part of it is really the dogmatic part. Their problem, he says, is not that there's not enough freedom in the dogma, but rather too much. The dogma gives man too much freedom when it permits him to actually be responsible for his sins. The dogma gives God too much freedom when it permits him to suffer and die. The dogma gives the church too much freedom when it gives it authority. It's not the doctrines that limit us. It is the denial of them. It's only the truth that makes us free. Want more than a minute? Chesterton.org And
0: welcome back, folks. This is In His Vineyard, your live and local program uh, here on the Guadalupe Radio Network, South and Central Texas uh, listening area. I'm Sean, your host for the program every Monday at noon, joined by my wonderful co-host, Miss Trish Lujan. Uh, if you're just joining us, uh, we've got this wonderful conversation going on uh, with His Excellency Arch, not Arch, sorry to promote you like that, <laughs> but Auxiliary <laughs> Bishop Gary Yannick of the Archdiocese of San Antonio. Uh, and what a real interesting, you know, you know conversation that we're having yes. get to know mm-hmm. uh, you know getting to know uh you know um you know bishop gary and you know his upbringing and some of the things i'm really getting from this is the importance of the family, family. uh in invoke mm-hmm. you know in in fostering vocations uh to to the priesthood and i'm sure the religious life also Um, uh, and you know, i wanted to ask you bishop gary um i had you know i had thought about this, you know, as we were, you know, uh, you know, on break. Um, Now you're, you know, you're a, you, you were a diocesan priest. Mm -hmm. um, But I'm always curious, uh, you know, when I, when I speak to, to priests, uh, did you always want to be a diocesan priest or was there
3: a, a, a Mm -hmm. want or desire to be a religious Mm -hmm. priest by chance? Oh, I did. I I thought about religious life. I thought about being a missionary Mm -hmm. and unbeknownst to my parents, when I was at school in Austin at UT, I was in conversation with on a regular basis with Father Beck, who was the vocation director at the time for the Oblates. And he eventually even came to my home to my parents, and my parents were totally surprised. (laughs) But (laughs) but there was a man that became from my community that was ordained an Oblate. So he and they were very close to my parents and his parents. And so he inspired me. And I would hear, listen to his stories when you come home to visit. And then I was always reading. I, I guess people are still getting their homes my mother would donate a dollar or something to all these religious communities over the years and so we would get all of this literature and I would be fascinated again as a teenager you kind of have to go to the restroom or something to close yourself in they because they're going to think oh you want to be a priest so it's like I would read this alone in a s- private space and, and I was fascinated again by the, the, the reading what I hear the stories of these men and women doing great things in different parts of the world and, and and the challenges and the struggles. And I, I was always inspired. And so that's why I started getting in, in, in touch with the vocation director for the Oblates. And then my uh, Paris priest got a hold of me. <laughs> he said, Aren't you really thinking about, seriously thinking about priesthood? I said, Yes, Father. He says, You have to be a diocesan priest. We need you here. And in the end, he kind of got a hold of my parents and we talked about it. And I think my heart was always probably with the sure. priesthood, but I did—I really thought about it. But the good news is that I had opportunity later as a priest to visit many, many times Nicaragua mm-hmm. with John Michael Talbot, the great Christian singer, who was a friend of mine that I was introduced to when I was first ordained a priest, and then he would take me to his mission at the time on the island of Ometepe, with, and so that was the first time I encountered people not just poor but hungry. Yeah, and They're beautiful, beautiful people. I love Nicaragua to this day, and it's sad what's happening in terms of the church in Nicaragua today that we're not talking about enough, right. but that's a whole other show. Mm-hmm. But, but just, I, it, it stresses me to see what the church, what's being, the constraints put upon it. And then I went to Guatemala with a group of doctors for a few years and called Faith and Practice these professionals that would do surgery on, and, and dentists who was from my parish did do dental work and people that suffered from things that we take for granted. We don't have to have a tooth take care. We have, mm-hmm. we have medicine. We have doctors and dentists. Yeah. They don't. And so I still have to do missionary work. I still do in a lot of ways. I think being a priest, religious or and you're always called to be a missionary. right? right. Aren't we all missionaries? Yes. <laughs> but I did, I thought about it and, I, you know, I still have a great fondness. I love working with the religious groups here in San Antonio. I mean, 62% of our parishes are run by religious communities. And so I have the opportunity here to really get to know a lot of the communities, beautiful religious communities that we're so grateful for, for their presence here.
0: You know, I, I'd like to... I'd like to second that. You know, I've gotten a chance to uh, really get to know the the sisters, the mm. Salesian sisters of Saint mm-hmm. John Bosco. Uh, I've met, um, you know, again, even uh, you know, um, you know, Sister Anna Cecilia, beautiful, right? beautiful yes. woman. And uh, you know, it's just wonderful to to be able to to talk and dialogue with them and. Just like what we're doing here, mm-hmm. getting to know them, speaking to them, and hearing about their own faith journey, and how they came right. uh to really answer uh God's call to to serve him and his people mm-hmm. right um you know as uh, as you were talking about you know having that that missionary uh zeal right mm-hmm. um you know that's you know. I can say that uh, I can see that in you. I mean, you're very active in, you know, in the community here in, in San Antonio, whether it be with the young adults, with the, the pro-life uh, mm-hmm. you know, movement, and, and the different Apostles uh, you know, with, with the pro-life. But prior to that, you were a diocesan priest there in the Diocese of Victoria. Right. Uh, did you, I, pro, I know the answer to this, I'm sure, but did you ever could see yourself as bishop one
3: day? Mm-hmm. You know, people would say things. They'd say that to a lot of priests because I held in Diocese Victoria. Everyone wears, you know, more than one hat. And so, even as a younger priest, I worked in the tribunal. I I was eventually vicar general and chancellor for the for the diocese. But I was always a parish priest. Mm-hmm. I was always a pastor. Mm-hmm. And that's what I will always be grateful for that opportunity. So for for about thirty thirty years of the thirty four years I was in Victoria, I was a parish priest as a as a pastor. Always lived in a parish. And that formed me. So I think like a parish priest, I think like a pastor, and I never want to forget that. But I would hear the talk, to be honest. Yeah. Oh, you're gonna be a bishop one day and say you gotta be kidding. I (laughs) mean the the church would be very, very desperate if they're gonna ask me to be a bishop. They must be, you know, scraping the barrel, so to speak. And so I don't think anyone aspires to. And if they do, you probably wanna be leery of them. (laughs) Because it's about service. And I can tell you I'm very honored. I, I know that the grace of holy orders is there. God gives me strength in what I'm asked to do now as a bishop. But and it's about obedience that we say yes to what the Holy Father has asked of us. But it's it's not an easy role, and I I, I miss being a parish priest. I miss my people. I miss that connection with one community. Very blessed here in the Hertz Diocese, I get to be with lots of communities, 172 of them, so to speak. Yeah. But it's never the quite the same as day in and day out. When you see them at daily mass and you know that their mom is ill or, or their husband just died. I go into all of these beautiful parishes we have in our archdiocese, San Antonio, but I'm gone then. Mm-hmm. I might not come back until next year's confirmation or the next mass or the next event. In my parishes in Victoria, I was able to, to walk with them, journey with them. And I, I, you know, baptize those children and that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It was just beautiful to celebrate faith with them every day. So I miss that, but again, it's wonderful too to be auxiliary bishop too. I'm very honored in <laughs> working with the, Bishop Mike and Archbishop yes. Gustavo and the wonderful team we have. I'm, I'm, I'm very blessed.
1: Amen. Yes. And I, I'm glad you said that because, uh, for, we talked about this earlier, uh, for many young men, young boys, their first connection mm-hmm. with a priest is the parish priest, right? That's right. Uh, and so their immediate thought normally goes to, f- Priest, that's the only type of priest that you mm-hmm. can be. So I'm not mm-hmm. going to have any fun life. <laughs> I'm, right, I'm they gonna, think. <laughs> I'm going to be here at the parish yeah. my whole life. Right. Can you talk a little yeah. bit more okay. about that? And, and that's one of the yeah.
3: myths. And and parents yes. have that misunderstanding mm-hmm. as well. And one way to, to debunk that myth, myth is that you have to get to know priests right. and to know and I have to admit, even my mom, mom, when I said finally, she always encouraged, she's, she's beautiful. She's going to be 89 in a few weeks wow. and she's beautiful. She prays for me every day. I don't have many rosaries. she prays for her children and grandchildren. But she was real quiet when I announced that I, was going to, I wanted to go into seminary. And so when the day came, it finally arrived. She was really, really unusually quiet. And so finally, I just asked her like a day before I was scheduled to leave for the seminary. I said, Mom, what's, what's the deal? do you do you not want me to go, and she looked at me she says, Gary, it's not that I'm very excited for you. We've been praying for you, we've been praying for a vocation from the family, but I'm just where you are going to be lonely mm. and now it's my mother is the first to admit that oh my it's there's no way in am I lonely in in the sense that there's so much activity, so much life in in what I do in my ministry. But husbands and wives have bouts of loneliness at times. Do we doubt at times? Not our vocation, but do we feel alone in that kind of way? Certainly, any human being's going to go through that. Priests do as well as husbands and wives, or those that are single so there's that degree of it but in terms of oh it's a lonely life no it's, it's a it's a full life mm-hmm. yeah. I, I, I know so many people I've traveled the world my mom went with me on a lot of pilgrimages mm-hmm. she's she early on I would bring seminarians from other places because um, I went to the seminary here in San Antonio at, at, at Assumption Seminary and I'd bring in the ones that couldn't go home because they were from other states mm-hmm. right. she had to know these seminarians she would fry fish and shrimp for us and they <laughs> loved going to my mom and dad's house mm-hmm. And they knew they're going to get a good meal, and my mom realized the beautiful friends that I have in the priesthood, and the wonderful. The, they saw the communities mm-hmm. that I've been blessed with in my parishes. I was in my first pastorate in Yoakum and my dad died. He died at the age of sixty-five of brain cancer, mm-hmm. and my mom saw my whole community turned out. My parish was there. They brought paper goods. They they were there for the the for the wake service, the vigil. They were there for the funeral. They were there in in my months of grief because, as you know, you're a priest or not, you still grieve the death of a parent, Mm -hmm. and and that was like good for them to see a real human being as a priest that we are. Mm -hmm. And my mom saw that I was comforted by our entire community, Mm -hmm. entire parish. So. If if we think that priests live a horrible lonely life, they don't understand priesthood very well. Come come talk to me. Yes. <laughs> come talk to me. Let, let, let me introduce you to the truth. After thirty four years, yes. it's a wonderful way of life. I love being a priest, and Amen. I say that yes. all the time.
1: You're actually. Can I ask you a question? So I'm going to assume that you were an altar boy at some point. I, I
3: was an altar boy. <laughs> yes. That's right. I, and I cried. My mother tells the story. And I kind of remember it. We couldn't j- join into the fourth grade in Palacios, and I cried. My mom said oh. because I got I convinced her to call the priest, and my mom is a very shy woman she called the parish priest to ask if i could become a, an altar server at the third grade and he said no you have to be a fourth grader and i cried oh. and so i was i was in fourth grade as soon as i was allowed i was an altar server mm-hmm. <laughs> that definitely
1: and was that an important point yes for you absolutely yes.
3: and that's why the vocation office we're doing a lot more with mm-hmm. altar servers so we want to help our priests to help them to train altar mm-hmm. servers but also to know it's a great source of, of Opportunity for vocation right. promotion in terms of altar servers, especially so, at a yeah, young age. Absolutely, yeah. altar serving was very important mm-hmm. to me, yeah, and we still see that. A mm-hmm. lot of priests that are men that are ordained priests, you ask them, a lot of them were altar servers. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: You know, if I can ask you, Your Excellency, um, we've talked about, we've spent this time uh, getting to know you, and uh, mm-hmm. and we are grateful for that. Hearing your own vocation journey uh, through the priesthood through uh you know well through the seminary through the priesthood and now into your uh, episc you know your episcopacy um i want to ask you you know i want to talk more about now And highlight National Awareness for Vocations Mm -hmm. Week Uh, that just kicked off, Mm -hmm. um, you know, yesterday. In fact, November sixth, and that will be running uh, through through this week. Can you tell us what exactly is uh, this week uh, supposed to be about? Can you tell us the history of this week? Um, And
3: can you just tell us more? Sure. So I'm grateful for the three parishes that that hosted us. I I went to Divine Providence and St. Mark's in the evening. I went to St. Matthew's and kind of the kickoff for National Vocation Awareness Week. so we have wonderful lay promoters and there are lots, people don't know this, but there are a lot of parish vocation committees throughout our parishes and missions. And every Knights of Columbus Council, they are to have a, by the Supreme Office, to have and encourage to really have an active vocation committee. And so this Vocation Awareness Week, which has been around for many, many years in our country, is an opportunity for us. Every day is a day to promote vocations to the priesthood and religious life, but in particular this week to highlight it. Mm -hmm. So I will be visiting for the rest of the week some schools, our Catholic schools, and and, uh, having some encounters with young adults and gearing up for World Youth Day that's going to be held on Christ the King Sunday. So all that is promotion of, of vocations to the priesthood and religious life. So it's, it's a week in which we pray, we, we support, we kind of maybe debunk myths and yeah. misconceptions mm-hmm. of a priesthood mm-hmm. and, and hopefully have more dialogue about yes. the whole understanding that God calls and the Christian community our faithful in the parishes are to nurture those seeds of vocation. And then the challenge also for every parish to be active in promoting vocations. We have and a lot of that is taking place. There are some particular priests that are wonderful. They will say they will give us names. They they bring young men to the seminary to our yeah. events and uh, to our come and see weekends and it's great because yes. that contact with their parish priest makes a difference. Mm-hmm. It really does. Mm-hmm. So, you know,
0: you mentioned um, come and see. Can mm-hmm. you tell us uh, mm-hmm. about come and see? Right. I, I've seen the posts on Facebook. I've I've seen right. the
3: flyers on it. What exactly mm. is come and see? We, we just had one for those um, in high school, okay, and and that was very interesting. Where they come to the seminary itself, and so they stay for the day. If they're older, we have them stay for for the weekend, and they meet our seminarians, and they have and they have a tour. First of all, they see that it's it's not a prison a, <laughs> you know, and semi- you know, that's good once you come in, you can go out you know, it has good food they have seminarians that that share with them the fact they they have a they have a weight room, a fitness room yeah. they, they play basketball and volleyball, and they' are real men yeah. that yeah. that enjoy you know they come different backgrounds there We have some great musicians, we have teachers we have engineers. Uh, we have um, accountants that have done that in their life, and now they're studying to be priests, and so they see the reality of what a call means and who these men are, and and that they're from families like theirs mm-hmm. and from experiences that are perhaps similar. So that's we have one for that age group, and then we have one in the springtime for, for a little bit older, for 18 and, and older. In February, we have, which is great, working with all the religious communities in the archdiocese, we have... Um, what we call this Awareness Week as well. And it it is incredible what takes place at the Cordon and Marion Retreat Center. And so life awareness is a great, great retreat. Entire weekend for those 18 years of age and older. And so that's a very powerful opportunity. Mm -hmm. But I just remember the seventh grade our parish priest, of course, you can't do it today, but he loaded us up in his car. There were about five <laughs> of us, and he drove us from Palash, that little community, yes. three-hour drive that was on the very end of the archdiocese, all the way to San Antonio. We spent a week at Assumption Seminary oh, for one of those kind of come and see mm-hmm. weekends. Yeah. And, and really, it was a whole week at that time.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: That left an impression on me. So we, have, we want them to come and see the seminary. Right. We're so blessed for more than 100 years we've had a seminary in the Archdiocese of San Antonio. And so people don't even know that history. They don't even know we still have a seminary or if we even have one. So we're kind of working on that too. Mm -hmm.
4: Mm -hmm.
3: But that's all part of vocation Awareness Week, come and see, Mm -hmm. life awareness, lots of programs that we have, just opportunities for for young people to understand better a possible call Mm -hmm. to religious life or to priesthood.
0: You know, if I can ask you, um, we've got about ten minutes left mm-hmm. in our conversation, Your Excellency. Um, I was, I saw that on the United on the USCCB website. Uh, there was a top ten things to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to to encourage uh, you know vocations. Uh, one of those was you know pray for an increase in vocations. Teach young people how to pray. Mm-hmm. Uh, invite active young adults uh, and teens to consider it. Um, I like that part where you have. There needs to be an invitation there too, right? Absolutely. You know, something as simple as you know what, mm-hmm. I could, you, you you know, talking to maybe someone young, mm-hmm. man, I think mm-hmm. you'd make a great priest, right? Mm-hmm. How, I mean, it sounds pretty easy, but you know, mm-hmm. what are some other ways
3: mm-hmm. uh, to to really encourage mm-hmm. that? Mm-hmm. But, Sean, that's just it, just the invitation. Looking back in scripture, we didn't make this up. This is what Jesus did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. he he said, "Come and see." Yeah. when they said. Lord, where where do you stay? Come and see. Mm-hmm. He called. Some said yes. A lot of them said no. But he called. He invited. He called them by name. And we have to be able to do that too. Not just a parish priest, not just parents. Those that see in the community, you see a young man or a young woman that, gosh, you know, they, they're good lectors or you see them very prayerful Are they involved in the parish community or you see them at mass on a regular basis so you know that they're believers ask them and just you'd be surprised how many who are now seminarians will say i'm here because someone in my parish said have you ever thought about being a priest right and some of them not not that many but several some of them i should say actually would would have told me you know i, I never really i thought about it but when that invitation was extended, when mm-hmm. they said, have you ever thought about it? That was the first time that I realized that I needed to do that. I need to at least think about it. This, that was the first time that I really started to pray about it. So that seems so trivial. It seems so basic. Right. But that's what we need. But sometimes it, it's hard for us to say that. We're all like, well, I don't want to pressure. That's not pressuring anyone. Right they could say no. (laughs) (laughs) Jesus didn't have a problem. He didn't have any problem with saying come and see or, you know, come and follow me or have you ever thought that kind of thing. So I think we need to do that too. It makes a difference. You know,
0: for those uh, who may be tuning in um, a, 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 young, you know, guy or gal, or, you know, maybe a parent mm-hmm. um, or, or grandparent, uh, where can they turn to for
3: resources mm-hmm. on vocations here oh, within the archdiocese? Right, right. We have so many resources. One, they just go to the parish priest. If they're not displayed in a lot of parishes, have beautiful displays for vocation material, but, but, They can call the vocation office in San Antonio. They can just Google vocations, Archdiocese of San Antonio. You're going to go to our website uh, and you'll go to our social media uh, formats as well. We will send you information. You know, email me. It's a public email address. Email (laughs) gary.yanick.com at archsa.org and I will get back to you personally. I'll send you whatever you want. I will answer any question that you might have about vocation Mm -hmm. uh, and about ministry to the priesthood. I'll get you in contact with someone in a religious community. I will do whatever I have to do. Call me. Email me. But but it's all out there. Beautiful, wonderful resources that Mm -hmm. we have from the national office but we've developed them also here locally. All in Spanish and English as well. So both languages, they're bilingual, and we are ready to help. And our goal is to have a, a holy hour for vocations in every parish yeah. it, as often as possible. And hopefully with all the parishes involved, there will be a holy hour for vocations every day Amen. throughout the year. And please, God, we, we, we keep praying for our priests, encouraging them, and them, because when we have strong priests, we will have more vocations. Right. So we have to pray for our priests too. Don't, don't fail in praying for your parish priest. They Amen. need those prayers. Amen.
1: Yes, Your Excellency, mm. I also know that you've mentioned a couple of times mm. there is a prayer that you're mm. asking. You said there are mm. more than a million Catholics yeah. <laughs> in San Antonio. I'm, right, there are. Yeah, and so what prayer is it mm. that you would like for all of us to pray on a daily basis for vocations? Mm.
3: Pray that there be a priest behind every altar in every parish mission. I think we have to storm heaven. Mm -hmm. We have to ask the Lord to bless us with that gift. Mm -hmm. We don't want to combine parishes. We don't want to close parishes. We don't want to have to amalgamate parishes. We have beautiful parishes that are willing financially and prayerfully to support a priest. But we have to have a priest. And so Uh we need to pray, Storm Evan, asking Jesus to send us the vocations that I I know he's calling, but that we have the strength to nurture those vocations, the seed that Christ has planted. So, pray for vocations. And in particular, I priest behind every altar to celebrate the sacrament of Eucharist and all the sacraments in our parishes. Amen. Amen.
0: You know, Amen. Uh, as you say that, I can't help but to think, you know, from the Gospels uh, where Jesus says, uh, you know, the harvest is abundant, but mm-hmm. the laborers are few. Amen. You know, um, and uh, I will tell you, you know, here at the GRN, one of our four promises made at our founding was mm-hmm. to promote, uh, you know, vocations. And mm-hmm. uh, as long as we, we can, we will, uh, of course, Use our airwaves to uh, to promote vocations. Um, my predecessor Richard has uh, always been a big, big advocate for uh, praying for our priests mm-hmm. uh, and you know dedicating holy hours. I mean, being right. very intentional uh, about the right. you know our prayers. You know, for mm-hmm. vocations for. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mm -hmm. you know, our, our priests, Mm -hmm. uh, our, our, our church leadership and such too. So uh, I'm super uh, glad to to be able to talk to you about this. Uh, And I want to ask, we just got a a couple of minutes, uh, you know, left in the Mm -hmm. program. Uh, Can you share with us the importance of spending time before our Lord in, Mm -hmm. uh, in adoration? First, the importance of, of,
3: Being involved in our communities and participating in Mass and receiving Holy Communion in this time of Eucharistic Revival, this three-year campaign that has been initiated by the National Bishops Conference, and that's so important, to be a part of a community, to receive the Lord, and then to take time, also, you're right, Sean, to pray before the Blessed Sacrament, that Holy Hour, and and maybe it's difficult, then break it up in little increments you know start with 15 minutes yeah. say i'm going to do 30 minutes that's okay and and just spend that time not just praying prayers saying prayers but just to listen that's what i always encourage the seminarians and said sometimes we storm heaven which is important but sometimes jesus needs us just to be silent mm-hmm. so he can talk we talk too much Let listen eucharistic adoration is a time to listen Jesus has a lot to say to us mm-hmm. and we can process it better when we listen, in particular, in front of the Blessed Sacrament. So I think it's gonna be a blessing for the Archdiocese, the more and more people that begin and that are now, we celebrate the fact, uh, attending Eucharistic Adoration. Uh, that's going to be the key to a lot of things: strengthening of our families, increasing our vocations to priesthood and religious life, a good example for our young people, mm-hmm and definitely for the salvation of our souls, which in the end we know is what we're about. We want to all be in heaven. We want to be with Jesus.
0: Amen to that. Uh, and before uh, you know, I get cut off uh, by the music, uh, Your Excellency, would you leave us
3: uh, with a blessing? I will. The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. May Almighty God bless you and strengthen you. May you know the love of Jesus in your heart. May you seek to serve him, to be faithful to your own particular vocation and encourage others to do the same. May the love of God come upon you. May our blessed mother intercede for you and all the saints in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit.
0: Amen. Amen. Thank you, uh, you know, Bishop Gary, for spending time with us today. Uh, it was really a pleasure uh,
3: to, to sit and visit with you. Thank you so much, Sean and Trish. Mm-hmm.
1: Thank you. And thank you, listeners. We hope you enjoyed the conversation. Be sure to stay tuned into the GRN or join our GRN South and Central Texas Facebook group to get information on the many events happening within our listening areas. And lastly, just another reminder to pray for our priests and for vocations.
0: That's right. We will continue to encourage those prayers. I got to tell you that, you know, it has been awesome getting to, you know, getting to talk with, um, you know, Bishop Gary. Yes. Um, And something that really stood out to me was, you know, his focus on how important it was for, to be, you know, to encourage young men and women, just that invitation, right? Right. I mean, he grew up in a a small town, um, and in his small town, he said eight, Eight vocations Eight, from yes. this small town, right? And how could have that happened without the encouragement of, you know, the entire community right. and of course the mm-hmm. encouragement, you know, from, from the family, you know, also. What other takeaways did you have, Trish?
1: Family. It all boils down to the family and that also goes back to, you know, our great Saint John Paul the second. Yeah. The family. It's it's uh, it's a beautiful thing. Yes, that's
0: right. Amen. So uh, again, that's going to do it for us, folks. Thank you so much for for tuning in this week. Um, again, next Monday we're going to be joined by Alan Ames. Uh, so you won't want to. You're not going to want to miss that. No, not at all. So <laughs> no. until next time, let's all labor with love, joy, and zeal in our hearts. In His venue. God bless all of you.
2: your connection to our treasured Catholic faith all day, every day. This is the Guadalupe Radio Network. Radio for your soul. I worked in pro baseball
4: for a long time and we play on Sundays. And it was an easy excuse. I took the easy out and just didn't go to Mass. Got caught up on that whole selfishness, that whole, you know, um, I can do it all. The times when I was struggling were the times I needed God the most. And now that uh, I've come back and accepted
2: God, my world has completely changed. If you've been away from the Catholic Church for any reason, visit CatholicsComeHome.org today. The Guadalupe
0: Radio Network would like to thank Real Mission Media for their support of Catholic Radio here in San Antonio. Real Mission Media specializes in helping businesses with their online presence with video and OTT advertising. They also can help businesses with training videos. View their work online at realmissionmedia.com. That's R-E-E-L, missionmedia.com. Real Mission Media, where the focus is on the mission.
2: What do quasi-Christian sects like Jehovah's Witnesses and Star Wars have in common? They all talk about a force. For these sects, the impersonal force is the Holy Spirit. They believe this because in John 14:26, the Greek word for spirit, pneuma, is neuter as opposed to personal terms like father and son. So how do we respond? Well first, if we hold to this line of reasoning, we're going to have to say God himself is an impersonal force because he's referred to as spirit in John four twenty four. But these sects wouldn't want to make that conclusion. Second, the verse that's used in the objection says of the Holy Spirit, he will teach you all things. Folks, impersonal forces don't teach. So the Holy Spirit is not some impersonal force. He's a person that we can have a relationship with. I'm Carlo Broussard with a ready reason for Catholic Answers. Catholic.com
4: Serving God's Holy, Catholic, and Apostolic Church. This is KJMA 89.7 FM. Floresville, San Antonio. Also online at grnonline.com. Your destination for Catholic Radio.